0: And I think the modern obsession with discipline is really a sneak attack. Discipline is just the fruit of being motivated. The positive feelings and inspiration, that's not going to get you in the gym every day. What will is your why, why you're in there. And those things are the reason that propel you to go in. Get ready to tune into stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to
1: this episode of the Brotherhood of Fatherhood Podcast. I am the host that you hear all the time, Scott Ramage. And with me today I have Luke Hastings. I've been following Luke for a wee bit on Instagram. He has some incredible content, has a lot to say, and so I'm going to let him say it today. Welcome to the show, Luke. Thank you, Scott. Good to be here. Yeah, it's uh, it's good to have you. Anytime I can get somebody on here who talks a lot about masculinity, identity, just guy stuff that I see, talking about the relevant things that I am really interested in and have a lot of conversations with men and also know that there's a lot of confusion and searching out there for men. Uh, yep. Any clarity we can give or thoughts we can give on this are good. So. Welcome. Super excited to have you here. Why don't you go ahead and start by just giving us a really quick snapshot of who you are and what you do?
0: Sure. So I am a masculine identity coach. My main platform right now is Instagram at narrowwayman. And I also have a website, narrowwayman.com. My main product offerings with that are sort of a motivational course that's in development right now that'll come out in uh, June. And then I do one-on-one coaching as well just uh, with guys individually. So that's kind of my bent. My ethos and my heart is around healthy masculinity, God-centered masculinity that does embrace the biological, physiological realities of what it is to be a man and what it is to be a strong man, but also that is rooted and founded in eternal truth because it is hard to find both. And I was unable to find both kind of in my darkest moments. So out of that pain was kind of birthed this purpose.
1: Yeah, I think I want to start there because a lot of times, you know, we have guys that come in and they're doing work like this. Not necessarily exactly like this. This is this is fairly unique to what we've had so far. But almost always it's grown out of their own experience of failure. Like that's where I learn, at least, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so I would love to hear a little bit about really what the catalyst is of your work. If you're willing to share kind of what that dark area was, how it happened and what became of it.
0: Sure, man. The catalyst was me after probably three to four years of struggle in a marriage, a lot of just defeat, a lot of trying to fix coming to the end of a day where I felt like I did everything right. I think I you know, was loving her like Christ loved the church. I was leading well, sacrificially with strength. And it just did not go well. It it was just a terrible day. It was it was another really hard day. And I came to this realization of I can't fix it. And that was the most depressing and yet the most freeing realization I could have came to because it was never my job to fix it in the first place. And I had been rooting so much of my identity as a man in being a good husband. And in being a good husband was, how's my wife doing? That was my one metric is her behavior, her happiness, our interactions, our marriage. And it was all tied to this identity issue that I had. And whenever I got to rock bottom with all that, I could only go up and I could only realize that it was never about that to start with. So let's rewind a little bit because I talk a lot
1: about personal responsibility and for men, you know, I I talk about drawing a circle around yourself and working on everything within that circle. And also talk about, you know, if things go wrong, no matter how little of input you had in it, you still are responsible. And that's a belief yeah. something I believe, and we we may disagree on yeah. that, but like coming out of a divorce, there's so much so much to talk about this, a failed marriage. This is really interesting yeah. already because I have some questions around this, so um please how where did you go wrong in
0: the marriage? Hmm, that is a long, long list, my friend. I would say the <laughs> primary, answer the yeah. primary way I went wrong was in a misunderstanding of how to love and lead my wife. You mentioned that idea of responsibility. I think that is 100% correct. I think there's a lot of biblical basis for that idea of responsibility. But there's a difference, as I'm sure you would agree, between responsibility and fault. Or responsibility for the marriage versus a personal responsibility to God for the actions of another human being. Those are two different things. Mm. And there's a difference between finding my identity and who God says I am versus who my wife says I am. Right. So there's a lot to dive into with that, but it's, and it's birth from pain. As we alluded to earlier, that's how we learn a lot of times.
1: Yeah. I'm not quite sure how to unwrap this conversation because I've been saying a long time like, hey, look, even if you're driving, you you get in your car and you drive to the store. Someone runs the red light and T-bones you and you're Mm -hmm. in the right. They ran the light. You were doing what Mm -hmm. you did. You looked around. There was no way to avoid it. I still would say you, the decisions you made led you to that moment. So there is some form of personal responsibility. But I never even differentiated personal responsibility and fault because the other person is absolutely at fault. But I find that there's freedom in saying like, look, ultimately, I'm responsible for being there in that moment. There's probably something I could have done better or different that would have led Mm -hmm. me. And so like that whole idea for me of not placing blame, that's just more of a freedom of like, I'm not going to place a blame on anybody else because then you're like, what is inside of my control is all I need to focus on. But I've never put the word fault in there. And that's a really interesting it's an interesting way to look at it. And I think it's absolutely truth because some men will, would probably listen and say like, Scott, you basically are blaming me for my divorce with my wife or for her infidelity. And a lot of times I'd like, well, infidelity typically comes from a typically comes from filling a need that you might not have been providing. So like, where were you at in those times and what, how did you
0: act? Yeah.
1: Man, expand on, I'm just kind of shooting out here, but expand on some of this thought process for me.
0: Yeah, so, you know, Scott, I think in the masculine space, specifically in this masculine resurgence, which I'm very thankful that you're a part of, we all really like the either or. We really like the black and white. We really like the Jocko Willink extreme ownership mindset, which I think is akin to the ethos that you're putting out. I like it. I love it. It is so much easier to say, you know what? I'm going to own everything. Everything is I'm to blame for my life. I'm to blame for my circumstances. It's easy to do that. Or it's easier to do the opposite and say everybody else is the problem. Right. Those And those are kind of the two extremes that most of us tend to. But I think that it actually takes much more bravery. To look at it and say, you know what, I have to own everything that I did while acknowledging that there are other forces here. And I think for for me, what that looked like in my marriage was I think I was more of the extreme ownership mentality of like, oh, my wife didn't respond to my leadership. And I have to own that because it's my fault. I have to own it. What could I have done better? What could I have done differently? How was my leadership not what she needed? Because if it was, surely she would have responded to it appropriately, right? But there's this thing called sin. There's this thing called dysfunction that we have to look at and say, you know, as much as I could own and improve and refine, this person is not an Excel formula, right? (laughs) There's some variables here that I have to recognize without losing that sense of responsibility for myself and my own actions. So it takes bravery and it takes work to look at both of those. And it takes a humility to say, God, you have told me to lead my wife as Christ led the church. Christ does not accept fault or blame for when we go AWOL, right? And he leads us perfectly. So how much more than should we as husbands, me, former husband, expect our wives to go AWOL when we're not leading perfectly? Mm-hmm. Clearly, Jesus demonstrates that even perfect leadership does not receive perfect followership. So this extreme ownership taken to the extreme, if you will, can be a little damaging. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I, I, I get that. It's something that I've always kind of thought about is the reason I go back to that very strong side is simply so you don't place blame. Like, just right. instead of spending time in self-loathing, instead of, instead of spending time worried about what someone else did to you, I think maybe the way to say that is that someone else has faults and, and downfalls and sins of their own that you yep. cannot be responsible. Ultimately, they are responsible for that. Yeah, Just like you have a circle drawn around you and that's what you're paying attention to, so must other people, and yeah. and maybe they they don't have that mentality, and they're not working on themselves, right? Um, you know, and and sure, I there's times when I'm like, well, I it's really hard to say, hey, man, your wife cheated on you, and hey, you're at fault. Sure, there, hey, <laughs> there's people that have mental disorders and cheat, and they're you know like what was your fault on there? Is it is much more gray than it is black and white? But I really like the way that you. You talk about that. Did you
0: have guilt after your marriage failed? Not after it officially failed, but I had a lot of guilt leading up to the point for me to realize that I couldn't fix it because I did have that idea of like, man, dude, I nailed it today. I can't do. It wasn't this idea of like, I'm perfect. It was this idea of I'm doing my very, very best and I'm simply incapable of fixing it. And I had to have that realization before I really started to internalize this idea of I am not responsible, or I guess I'm not, account- let me, let me say, use a different word. It's, it's similar, but different. I am not accountable to God for the behavior of another person, period. Whether it be my wife, whether it be my child. Responsible, yes, for those within that circle. Accountable to God for their behavior, no, I'm not. And I think that accountability is something that we're only meant to have between ourselves and God. But if we start putting our identity as men into these roles as husband, father, leader, brother, son, temporary roles, when our identity starts to get into those, then we start putting on our own shoulders, not just the responsibility, but the accountability to God, right? And when you start doing that, it starts bringing up these behaviors of fear and control. Now I've got to control my wife's behavior. Now I've got to control the outcome with my kids because my accountability to God is tied to that, or at least it is in my head. My identity is tied to that. And that's where you get these insecure, you know, authoritarian uh, behaviors. Yeah, I like to simplify things and maybe it's just my brain is more
1: simple, but I say if it can be taken from you if it literally can be taken from you, it should not be tied to your identity. So if, if my identity is a father, that can be, that can be lost in a day. Maybe my wife and kids are all in a car and they all Mm. lose their life overnight. Am I no longer who I used to be? Mm. I think that's a fallacy. That's a dangerous place to be. A lot of men will, their identity is as a father. And then they start to be identity as the way their, their kids perform in their sports or their school and then there's letdown and disappointment or their marriage and then their wife leaves them or has has an affair or goes through, you know, maybe a psychotic break or something of that nature or in their work and they lose their work. And then, then they go through this pit of despair, right? So let's talk about where you, as obviously you're a believer in Christ, where you're, how you identify what is identity for a person? What is the appropriate way for somebody to define who they are?
0: Sure. If you like simple, I'll start with simple. You are who God says you are. That's it. That's all it is. And it's so simple that we, in our pride and our humanism, our postmodernism, we like to think that we can decide our own identity. That's a very new idea. In all the rest of life, we accept that the creator of something gets to determine the identity of that, which it was created. Right. You know, if Bill Gates makes a software, he calls it Microsoft. We don't bat an eye. He gets to tell us what the identity of that is. Right. And then we look at God and we say, Oh no, no, no. Listen, you're the creator of the universe. You made me right. You've given me all I have. You're you're the very breath inside my lungs, but Hey, you know what? I'm going to choose to identify myself. how I want to. Right. And as Christians, it's even worse. It's like we choose to identify with our shame. We choose to identify with our sin. We're saying, hey, Jesus, thanks for dying on the cross. But your sacrifice wasn't enough to cover my sin. So I'm going to still choose to identify with that. And it's all pride-based, man. Right? It's all pride and fear, man. It's that slave orphan mind that we're still stuck in.
1: It is a really big thing right now for people to uh, identify as their issue. You are not your issue. Like, Mm. you know, and and people will camp out in there. Oh, well, I was abused as a child. I'm like, so is your identity an abused adult? Like, I don't understand what you're trying to say, (laughs) but when you camp out at there, you, you close down your ability to grow. Hmm. So
0: true. It takes bravery to face that you are not your past. I tend to like um, the psychology of uh, Alfred Adler, and he has this idea that we only hang on to, he's a contemporary of Freud and Jung, but he has this idea that we only hang on to that which serves us in some way. We're only hanging on to that part of the past that enables us to be safe from getting hurt again, to be safe from taking risk again, right? I even found this out with myself. I started getting approach anxiety i've been I've been divorced for over two years now and I kind of started getting my feet back in the water and I started getting this approach anxiety I was like, what's going on here? I was literally creating that anxiety not out of fear of rejection but out of fear of it working out of fear of it turning into something that could cause me more pain and I had mm. to do it takes bravery and deep work to search through those things yeah
1: yeah is that what you do mostly is work with men on like their identity or or how that's maybe controlling them or causing them to ask
0: in certain ways anything i do is a is a bait and switch to get to their identity i'm going to release this motivation (laughs) course right and get guys motivated and psyched up to crush their goals it's all a bait and switch man because it's all about identity identity is at the root and that's kind of with beliefs identity beliefs perspective they're kind of all at the bottom and then from that flows vision, from that flows behavior, from that flows your life. But man, your, your identity is reality, but your perception of it is what I work on. I help you get your perception right because God gets to say what it is and it's up to us to experience it. It's up to us to realize it and see it for what it is. So you're selling what they want to hear and delivering what they need. More or less.
1: <laughs> you know how that goes. You're a sales it's guy. You so incredibly know incredibly important.
0: What they want first?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Well, or at least, like, yeah, give them a piece of that, but really give them yeah. what they really need. Which a lot of us don't identify with. What we really need, we identify with something that we right. think is more controllable. That's a little more comfortable. It's more comfortable me mm-hmm. for me to think about motivation than it is about identity.
0: Like, right. And motivation is more sexy. Motivation is like, yeah, motivation. Yeah. Right. Identity sounds like church. And I was like, nah, I don't want to pay for that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. But it's, if you guys are listening and you're not a business owner, this might fall hard on you. But a lot of business owners know that it's incredibly important to deliver a message that the the client needs to hear, that wants to hear, and then help them where they need to be helped once you have them sold. And it's not a bait and switch like you called it, but it is. But we know that the real pathway to success is aisle B when you're really just thinking you need aisle A. You know, it's like talking to, it's like selling nutrition to a client who thinks all they need is someone tell them to eat. But really Mm -hmm. what they need is their mindset and beliefs around food Mm -hmm. and their, and their miss, maybe the way that they're using that to blanket some emotional gaps in their life or some control issues in their life and so your nutrition coach is no good if all they're doing to tell you is all they're doing is telling you what to eat they're they're, right. they're falling short yeah 100%. it's the same thing yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the exact same thing 100 do we've talked about motivation and i we, we were kind of chatting about this beforehand motivation's really short-lived like you know get, like if i if i re- rely on motivation to get myself to work out every single day i will fail at working out, or I will need to pay somebody to motivate me every morning, uh, sure. where I don't miss a workout, because I don't rely on right. motivation. Do we see eye to eye on that, or are we different? Different.
0: Yeah, I think we do, but we're. I think we're talking about slightly different concepts. So when you speak of motivation, what you just described is what I would refer to as maybe inspiration or positive feelings. And gotcha. usually... And I would agree that inspiration and positive feelings are not a reliable source of behavioral change or action taken or consistency. But the analogy I like to use, Scott, is it's kind of multifaceted. There's you know, a, a cancer patient, right? I've had several of those in my family. They're going to get treatment. Sometimes it's chemo, sometimes it's radiation. If you ask them why they're doing that, They are not going to tell you it's because they have discipline. They're also not going to tell you it's because they're feeling like it or because they're inspired. The reason they're doing it is because they're motivated to. Motivation is this idea. It comes from a Latin motus, meaning movement. The the definition of it is that which compels you to take action. So we are all motivated. At this moment, you and I are motivated to have this conversation on the podcast, right? Some of us at night are motivated to watch Netflix and eat Cheetos, others of us to read, others of us to hit the gym, right? We all have something inside us that compels us to take actions. And I think the modern obsession with discipline is really a sneak attack. Discipline is just the fruit of being motivated. Discipline is what happens when you are motivated. To your point, you... The positive feelings and inspiration, that's not going to get you in the gym every day. What will is your why, why you're in there, what your mission is, what your vision is. And those things are the reason that propel you to go in. And the act of you going to the gym every day, that's discipline. The fruit you of and I motivation align. is discipline. Yeah,
1: you and I align very much in that in that sense. Because what I tell guys is like, look, you don't need motivation to get to the gym what you need is you need ah, a bigger purpose you need a bigger right and, and i say tie it to your values i personally yes. value being healthy fitness yep. and health are really incredibly important to me because then that is the only way that i can serve my family at the utmost level like i yes. can serve protect and provide for my family if i am fit and healthy if i am unhealthy or not fit I am putting my family undue risk in multiple situations. Right. I'm not just talking about like attack or whatever. I'm talking about when you're when you're physically and healthy inside, you actually think clearer. So I'm like, take that and use that as your motivation to work yes. out every day. Right? Yes. Okay. And I, I think I actually think, and maybe you'd agree with me that the word motivation is being completely used completely wrong. Exactly. I I actually never thought of it that way, but it, it it's clearly like seems
0: exactly right. Yeah. So, and, and what's funny is discipline is being used the wrong way, too. So used to so, discipline meant teaching and instruction and correction. And now it means getting up at 430. It's like where and you literally you can look it up online. You can look at modern dictionaries and it still means what it's meant for hundreds of years and people are just using it different ways now same for motivation yeah. i think getting up at 4 30 is
1: a habit or a ritual built out of what i would have called discipline prior to this conversation <laughs> now that you're saying that but a, a habit or a ritual i'm gonna get up at four thirty every day because i've done it over and over again because i right. have a bigger purpose and that's what it takes to meet that purpose yep so yeah it's interesting. With, yeah. And so I tell people, like stop, stop focusing on what, I've used the word motivate, but stop focusing on what motivates you and start focusing on your values. And yeah. I think that's yeah. where a lot of people are missing. What I hate, you might hate this too. What I hate is people, what, I, what I've learned to dislike is people doing 75 hard for the sake of doing 75 hard. I think a lot of people are doing it to say that they do it but you you know motivated by pride yeah absolutely like oh i finished 75 good for you like what's the real reason you're doing that is it a lot of people stop drinking because of it great why don't you just say you're stopping drinking for 75 days like let's call it it whatever it's yeah 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 yeah. but that's my own personal yeah and i've done 75 hard multiple times and the problem is now is it's so normal. It's like, it's kind of 75 heart soft. I'm like, it's not really, it's just modus apparatus. This is, this is what sure. I do. <laughs> yeah. Except for my, my diet has not been great in the last three weeks. But other than that, so how do you work
0: more about discipline if I can? Yeah, please. So, I mean, discipline, like I mean, even the way we're using it now, I think is a, it's a good thing. I think akin to it in the fruits of the spirit is this idea of faithfulness. Right I'm faithful to go to the gym. I'm faithful to wake up early. I'm faithful to love my wife. I'm faithful to have date night, et cetera. I think that's really what we're trying to get at when we talk about discipline is this idea of faithfulness, and I like that because it's a fruit of the spirit. But this modern obsession with it, you think of discipline now, you think of Jocko, you think of David Goggins, you think of these guys that are just like these hardcore don't compromise kind of guys, which is great. but it turns into for a lot of young men this idea of like you know what? I don't work out because I don't have this esoteric, abstract thing called discipline. And gosh, Jocko has it. David has it. You know, Scott has it. I just don't have it. I don't have discipline, man. Man, that's awesome that you do all that. I don't have the discipline for that. Good for you, dude. And and what that is, is cowardice because they don't want to own the fact that they don't want it bad enough, right? They would do it if they wanted it bad enough. Just ask the 48-year-old guy that never went to the gym before he was 45. Then he had that heart attack, and now he's in the gym every single day because he wants to walk his daughter down the aisle at her wedding. He didn't want it before. He sure did need it. He honestly needed it before the heart attack. But, boy, he does it now because he wants it. And somebody sits on the sideline and said, man, that guy's discipline. disciplined. Wish I had that. No, bro, he just wants it, and you don't. And that takes a lot more balls to own that.
1: It does take a lot more balls. What do you think our our biggest problem with masculinity in our society right now? I think I I feel like there's such a great move towards the right direction. And at the same time, there's a horrible move in the opposite direction where, you know, where guys are letting their feelings dictate their identity. They're letting their history dictate their identity. They're identifying in a soft, feminine type of uh, reality. I don't think there's as many people as we think there are. Uh, So let's talk about masculinity, the good, the bad and ugly and the awesome. Sure.
0: I would say the modern man is being invited to succumb to his emotions and succumb to his desires. So that is, I would say, the biggest problem in modernity. And as it turns out, most of our desires and our emotions are effeminate and weak in 2023 because of environmental things that we have to try really hard to avoid, or else we're going to be eating McDonald's, drinking beer, watching Netflix, scrolling social media, looking at porn, uh, sitting behind a desk all day. And our stress comes from emails and a lack of likes on a post, and our pleasure comes from fake dopamine sources bombarding us left and right. So if we Engage in that and we succumb to our emotions and desires, we will continue to become a soft, weak, effeminate group of men in the modern West. I would say that in a nutshell. Of of course, we could talk about the spiritual side as well, but I would say societally, uh, physiologically, that's it. Whereas in the 1940s, 1930s, in that and the greatest generation or the boomers as they were kind of coming up, it was this idea of suppression. So whereas the 2023 man succumbs to his emotion and desires, the the 1923 man and the 1943 man suppresses him. Be a man, suppress it. You know, uh, nut up, let's go. We got to go to war. We got some things to do. We got to build this country, right? It's that strong men creating good times and hard times creating mm-hmm. strong men. That was all taking place back then, and it was suppression. Now it's succumbing and we're going to pay the price for that very soon. We already are. But God's way is this idea of surrender, where we're going to let ourselves feel these things. They're going to come to the surface. The the pride is going to come up and the power, the ambition and the selfishness, right? The abuse and the strength, they come up together. And God's way is to say, God, I surrender this to you, but thank you. Thank you for my sex drive. I'm going to surrender the lust but I'm gonna say thank you for my sex drive. That's integration, right? And so yeah, long story short, 2023 masculinity, we're succumbing to our emotions and they're not good. And it's yeah. it's it's running us amok. It's it's a it's like this horrible
1: catalyst of succumbing to our emotions, the horrible food that we have, yeah. the access to the your quick getting off quick without any work, which is right. dangerous. I mean, dangerous. I don't even want to you know, we go down that road, but, and then the dopamine, but I have a really good friend, Matt Shenard who, um, runs a great organization for men and he has coined this term, you know, earn your dopamine and it's hard to earn your dopamine and you, and you intentionally have to shut out what the world wants you to see, like the, the, the social media things and, and build a system in which that is controlled and for him it's like earn your dopamine before you hit any of that other stuff and Mm. you know Mm. he he's a little he goes a little extreme on the cold exposure but that's his thing (laughs) um so but we are and i even read this way back uh what's the book oh gosh Eldred's right writes it
0: um oh yeah um wild at heart
1: wild at heart where he talks about you know we're designed to kind of to get you know Help the damsel in distress to conquer, to chate, to yeah. pursue, and here we are. Oh well, I just look at porn and get my rocks off, and I'm good to go. And yeah. we be, and this is literally created soft men. I think it's a yeah. it's a major role in how soft we are
0: because there's no work involved. Hundred percent, brother. Yeah, that's why I'm so grateful for guys like you in this space that are trying to combat that man. It's it's so hard to yank everybody's heads out of the sand and gotta get your own head out first, but man, it's worth it.
1: Yeah. What do you do? You, do you work with guys who say like, uh, you know, Luke, this, uh, you know, I appreciate what you're saying. I don't have time to work out. I don't have time. My day is so full. I I don't. You know the
0: excuses. How, what do yeah. you talk
1: to? What do you say to guys that just are full of excuses?
0: Yeah, I call that the co- uh, the coward mindset. Right. It's the Romans seven. I, I want to do these things, but I can't, or what I don't want to do, I end up doing. It's this Romans 7 where Paul's kind of complaining. And if you don't read Romans 8, then you're kind of stuck in this coward mindset of like, oh, I'm just, I'm just a victim of my circumstance and I don't have time. Again, it's this idea of like, oh, I just don't have the discipline. No, you just don't want it, man. You, ha- like, you have the same time as me. We pick, dude, it took me... It took me hiring a coach that was $100 less per month than one of my paychecks, which is <laughs> crippling, right? I could not afford this it. guy. Right? I could not afford this guy. I had to pay him that amount of money for him to tell me, Luke, you'll never have enough time to work out. You have to make enough time. I had to pay him that much money for me to believe it. But it was always true. It's a coward mindset that says, I don't have the time. I don't have room. It's I don't have room for it on my schedule. The conqueror mindset from Romans 8 says, and I've been there by the way. I've been in a season where I had to look myself in the mirror and say, "Hey, I am not going to go to the gym this week because it is not important enough to me right now." You know? Is that could that be flawed thinking? Maybe it was. But that was how I was in that week in that moment, and I have to own that. Mm -hmm. So I don't tolerate this. I don't have time for this or that. It's like, no, bro, let's start from you do what you want. End of story. Period. But
1: even you hiring a coach for $100 less than one of your paychecks, (laughs) you know, most men hear that and they would think that you are financially unstable or irresponsible. I hear that and say, no, that's the ultimate way to level up is put it all on the line and and do the thing that's going to make you do the work. I think most of the problem we have with people right now is they're looking for the cheaper route and don't do what they're supposed to do because they didn't put enough equity into it.
0: Yes, it's crazy. This idea of, it's this biblical idea. I can't remember exactly where it is. I think it's in the uh, Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. Yeah, I think I think that's where it is. But Jesus says, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. He doesn't say where your heart is, your treasure is going to follow. It's super interesting. He Mm. says where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And I've always found that to be true in my life. Wherever I put my money, wherever I put my time, my heart ends up going there too. And that was a hundred percent the case with this coach as well. Yeah. I think that's, that's the
1: road to, 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 breakthrough and hey look if you're hooked on you got to have your starbucks every day like it's 575 for your drink on the way to work and budget gets tight you're probably going to make a way figure out a way to make that 575 work every single day right (laughs) and and so then we start to look at what do you actually value so when guys say oh luke's a coach he just wants money from me i say in return Luke's a coach and he knows to charge you handsomely is the way to get you to move to the next level in your life. And you will out earn what you spent 10X when you get to the next level of your life. Hundred so it's, it's a different way of looking at things. 100%. Yep. So you've been married. Your marriage failed. I didn't say you failed. Yep. Your marriage failed. <laughs> um, are you looking forward? I mean, you talked a little bit about you know, getting back into the dating and and kind of what that's done for you. Are you looking forward to being a married man?
0: Yes, Uh, I think you cut out a little bit, but I think you said looking forward to being a married man. Yes, I am in God's timing, not rushing it, but very open to it. I'm of the belief that if you are within firing distance of being able to financially support a family and you have the balls to make a commitment to a woman that you find compatible, then you should be open to dating, which I am. I'm not aggressively like on a dating app or anything like that, but if there's a girl I want to talk to, I'll I'll talk to her.
1: My pastor did a sermon yesterday. I was I was listening to it and he was giving an example of his son and his son had no interest in girls in middle school and high school, but girls were always pursuing him. <laughs> and he, he you know, he was like he he said he, he would come into the car after at Christmas break and have like seven gifts. And like, where are those from son? Ah, just girls. And like, just, you know, they're pouring <laughs> over him and yeah. it wasn't until he, he realized he's like, Hey son, like don't look for the girl who chases you. You know, you're onto something when you actually have to do the pursuit. And it's like, mm. he said a, he was never interested in a girl until he found the one that he had to actually pursue. And this is something I talk about a lot with married men is like, you know, that time when you were dating your wife, maybe you were engaged to be married. How did you act right then? Did you act mm. like you had you had obtained the goal? Mm. And most guys will say, no, I, I actually, you know, set up fancy dates and did this work and was working out and doing. I'm like, that's how you should be acting when you're married as well. What do you feel? How yeah. do you feel about pursuit of women and the male female role in that? As
0: well. Oh, I love what you just said, man, too. I mean, that's just so true. Like, you've got to act like you did when you got her, right? Otherwise, you're just going to lean on that commitment, lean on that ring, and be like, oh, we're stuck, baby. Oh, it's terrible. And so, yeah, what I recommend, you know, in kind of my work with men is to say, hey, if you find yourself doing anything, for a woman as a single man, going to the gym to look good for the ladies, fixing your hair a certain way, buying certain cologne, I don't know, leveling, getting more money, et cetera. I'm not saying that's bad. I think all men are wired to do that in a way. That's fine. But, bro, you have to have a deeper motivation because once you land the plane, once you get the prize, if that's the deepest as your motivational roots went, And the behaviors are going to dry right up and you're going to be in trouble. And it's not going to be until 10, 15 years down the road when you talk to Scott and he's like, hey, buddy, start over. (laughs) you got to start over and be doing that stuff that you were doing before. Right. Because we're 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 peacocking and we're we're hitting the gym and we're uh, being responsible and doing all the right things. And then she's attracted to that man. Mm. Good. And then that man goes away. Why? Because he was only doing it for her. He didn't have anything deeper going on. So I'm not saying it's bad to do things for the approval of the feminine. I think that we're we're kind of wired to do that a little bit. That's fine. It's healthy. But a man, if I may, a high value man is a man who is going to have deeper rooted motivations for that. And she's going to be able to pick up on that, too, I think. And the worst part is, is, if she doesn't, and she ends up marrying you. <laughs> but I think yeah. really good, <laughs> right. really good women uh, in uh, that are kind of this a queen to a king. She's going to be able to see is this guy deep? Is he grounded? Is he rooted? Or is he doing this for the ladies? Absolutely. I. I there. You're
1: right. There is such this differentiation between doing this for the ladies, but real, true pursuit of a woman you, you want to spend your life with, and then. You do not reach the finish line when you get married or when you're through the honeymoon phase. You're just getting started, bro. Like that is like the starting line. Now, now the race is on. Now the race is on to be fully engaged, to serve her in a way that she serves you back like this, you know, and through and this is my belief and yours as well. But through our service to each other, we're also serving God and through our service to God, we're also serving each other. And I can tell you guys out there who aren't believers and have gotten this far in this this podcast, you really need to give it a deep look. I'm not going to be shy about that because I look at, sure, there's some non-believers have excellent marriages, but marriage can be so much more than you can even imagine. And that's what I want for guys. I want them to understand the level of intense pleasure, not just in sex but in the relationship with each other at this level that is attainable and possible for you. And anything less really makes me sad. It really does. I I want that for you. But dude, it's going to take you work to do that. It's going to take you ongoing work and the right motivation to do that. So a lot of guys lose, I believe, their wives become less and less attractive to them. Why do you think that is Mm. attracted to the men become less attractive to their wives? Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The other question would have been fun too, but yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So, so the way I put it is this man, like when she married him, he was like a lion in his prime in heat. He was roaring. He was ready. He was strong. And then, you know, got married, locked it down. That motivation was only rooted and deeply as a lot of times, dude, it's an enslavement to lust. It's all lust driven. It's like, I need to lock this girl down. I need to, you know, spread my seed. I need to get a consistent outlet for my for my lust, honestly. And if it's no deeper than that, then as soon as that happens, the motivation goes away. And that lion kind of starts, he kind of becomes a zoo lion, right? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, if he ever pops off, if there's ever kind of a marital conflict, he still has that control of lust on him and he doesn't want to lose sex. So he, he says, you know what, I'm going to keep the peace and I'm going to put the lion in the cage for a minute, right? And then, and then he might get the sex. He might not, but he does it again and again and again. And eventually the lion is starved, weak. He's always in the cage. And the guy thinks that he's, he's making progress because he's trying to keep his wife happy, happy wife, happy life, right? No, dude, she was attracted to the lion and you're freaking tranquilizing him because you're still enslaved to the approval of the feminine, whether it be uh, via sex, via just a lack of conflict. We can ask Adam about that, right? he, allowed the tempter to talk to his wife he allowed her to eat the fruit in his presence and we can we can make some assumptions about that but i mean if uh, the rest of history is any indication he might have just been one to avoid the smoke he didn't he didn't want to stand up he doesn't want to let that lion roar because it is there is conflict right so men who shy away from being the lion that she was attracted to initially are gonna lose their their manhood and the attraction from her there's so much truth to that and
1: you know i've been married this is going on 27 years in just a few months here so it's not not a new journey for me and i learn so much more every year but the more strong i get the stronger i lead and help make decisions the Mm. more that i stand up for what's right or the more masculine I act or live, mm. my wife tells me that that is sexy. When we're in a situation, I'm like, "This is what we're going to do later." She tells me that is sexy, and I think a lot of men are missing that. They they yeah. they are shirking off because. Well, my w- wife's a strong woman. My wife's a strong woman. Like like I think literally, you want a strong woman? Yeah, she she and she is. She's disciplined. She can outwork out me when it comes to like her engine. Her engine's insane. Mm. But she's also strong, smart, and very motivated. Very, very driven for success. Mm. Mm. But she still loves it when I lead her. And I'm not, I am not on an island, guys. And if you haven't tried this, there is a loving way to lead. And I think there's a lot of distraction with the word servant leadership. Serving your wife sometimes is making a decision that keeps her and your family safe. Serving your wife is making a decision that is going to be more financially stable in the future, even if it's not what's popular at the moment. That is serving. And so, and yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So we have to rewrap this idea of what's okay and what's not like, oh, it's going to disrupt my household. I'm like, "Mm, okay, maybe short term, but We need stability. We all have that little kid in us who's like when they say don't pass that line, and we put our finger over over the over the line because we want to know in our heart of hearts is that really the line? We if I am I going to be safe? And if I can reach over that line, this person is not keeping me safe. We all have that instinct from very early on. I don't think that ever goes away. So as a male, as how what I believe is leader in the house. Yeah. Like make some decisions, draw some lines, and I'm not saying your wife is subservient. I'm saying this
0: is how we serve.
1: Yeah. But I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> that's
0: good. That's good. It's, it's spot on, brother. Like, and that's what's crazy is that's exactly how Jesus leads us. He mm. doesn't sit there and think about, oh, what if the church doesn't react well to this? He just loves, <laughs> man. He just yeah. loves. And that's what true love is. A lot of guys are disrupted by this idea I talk about that Christ doesn't need the church. Christ is self-sufficient in the Trinity. He doesn't need our reciprocity. He doesn't need our behavior. He doesn't need anything from us. It's out of the overflow from himself and his relationship with the Father, the Holy Spirit, that he can love us. So if we are to duplicate that, Then we have to be so secure in our identity in God, who we are as men, before we can even get at the starting line of true love as Christ loves the church. But then once we get there, we are enabled to lead unapologetically and love unapologetically and not have to sit there and wonder, kind of going back to earlier, about what she does as a result. Because guess what? You're not accountable to God for the result. You're accountable to God for your leadership. Responsible for the family, yes, but accountable to God only for how you lead. So if you're sitting there wondering about how she's going to respond, you've already lost the game. You got to be thinking about what is love in this uh, position. And to your point, come a few hours later, once the tension goes away, she can sometimes often realize that's kind of hot. That's what I <laughs> needed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No,
1: no doubt. Absolutely, no doubt, and it's not again. It's not being disrespectful. It's no. it's serving through love, like yes. ultimate love. You know, yeah. it, 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 to your your point, we're you know we're supposed to, you know, serve our wife as Christ served the church. It's like yeah, and you got to understand some biblical context to really understand what that means. So maybe that's something sure. you could pursue right now. Um, but uh, but yeah, it is this fine line and. It's so frowned. I think we so many men have believed in this, this narrative, this newer narrative that your masculinity, your decision making process, your leadership is is actually harmful, and it's not harmful. It's helpful. So, yeah. So, guys, if you want to be sexy to your wives, step up. Absolutely, step up. So, as a single guy, you know, let's let's end with this for guys who might be single listening to this trying to gain some insight before they step into this world what is a healthy way for them to pursue relationships
0: sure i would i would just say uh, don't don't overthink it i think there's just a lot of fear holding guys back if you like i said earlier if you were within firing distance of being able to support a family financially and if you have the guts to make a commitment to a woman in marriage. Once you find her, then all that's left is the finding, bro. There's this idea of, Oh, you got to level up and X, Y, Z, uh, before you can get the woman that you really want. My answer to that is no, figure out the right. woman you really want in your head and then go after her. If she doesn't want you yet, or if that's not the one that wants you, okay. Have the bravery to keep your standards high, right? Have the bravery Mm. to keep chasing that queen that you're after. The the way you describe your wife, Scott, I call that queen energy. She's not Mm. soft. She's not a doormat, right? But she also likes being in a masculine frame because she is a woman. But it challenges you to level up and be a king and to be stronger and stronger and stronger as she gets stronger as well. It's so healthy. It's so right. And, but, yeah, but to really good. encounter that type of woman, you know, you have to be leveling up and and manning up every day for yourself. And so if you're ready to date, dude, get those deeper motivations for everything you do. Don't do it all for women. Get in touch with your values, get in touch with your identity and go to the gym because you want to go to the gym, go to the gym in such a way. And with such intensity that you're going to continue to, whether or not you land the woman of your dreams this year, next year, or whenever. Right, and then when you when you're going for the approach man, all the game and all the pickup stuff is just kind of nonsense. you just you just need to get comfortable having conversations. You're not going up there. you're not now, if you're just trying to like get some quick action and do some hookups, then yeah, learn all the manipulation, bullcrap. Go ahead and do that if that's what you're about. But if you're trying to find you know a queen that you can build a life with, then you just need to relate to her as a human being, probably. That's probably where you should start. And you walk up That's and say, awesome. "Hey, you know, I I like that book you're reading. Well, like, or, or, hey, you know, I really appreciate you know your vibe. Just just something really basic, or like, hey, my name is Luke. Like, just talking, you know, really yeah. really basic stuff. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. Yeah, it I does take like a little bravery, but it doesn't have to be fancy. Yeah, be brave, but be yourself, right? Yeah, like
1: be. And I, I use the word authentic a lot, but but to truly be authentic. Yeah, like, yeah. You, if you ever gone in a room of people who you feel are better than you at something and you try to act like them, it's you see right through it. And you don't I feel out of my skin. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. there's a lot of freedom in being yourself. It was interesting, my son and I, we were going to a banquet and I'm wearing some fresh new dunks, Nike dunks, and uh some you know, jeans, nice jeans, nice jeans, and a polo. And he he's like, ooh, we drive up. And there's people in suits and there's mm-hmm. people, you know, guys totally tie, totally. And then there's, you know, other guys. But he's like, oh, should we have dressed up more? And I'm like, dude, I'm dressed to the hill. Here's the deal. I feel really good with what I'm wearing. And I'm going to walk in that room and here's what what I'm going to do. And I want you to do this same." because he's wearing his new Jordans. I bought him. He looked fly. He looked amazing. But he wasn't wearing the t- tie that some of the other boys sure. were. Like, Do you feel good about yourself? He's like, yeah. Do you like what you're wearing? I'm like, he's like, yeah. I guarantee you 90% of those guys walking in that room don't feel good about what they're wearing. So and they're true. comparing themselves to others. Let's walk in there with such a confidence because we know who we are and we feel good about who we are that everybody in that room is jealous of what we're wearing. He's like, ooh. <laughs> he's like, okay. Never said a word again. Loved what he wore. Was super happy about it. But that's how we go into it. Uh, you know, I don't have to date. but Well, I date my wife. But that's how we... If we can yeah. take that mindset, I'm going to be myself, and I'm going to I'm going to be so happy with who I am, and I'm going to and I'm going to be authentic. Then I think you'll land the girl, right? There's such a the huge point
0: there too. Is that if you're not behaving authentically, and you do land the girl, what kind of trouble are you asking for, bro? Because you didn't really she's land gonna, her, did you? It was this fake version of you. Yeah. That I mean, we hope she sees it before you marry her we hope Best yeah. not to risk it best just to be authentic from the start right that's right that's right luke it's been
1: awesome one getting to know you you know we didn't get much time we, we typed back and forth it's been awesome getting to know you kind of what you stand for i can plant my flag in the ground saying yes i not you need my endorsement but yes i endorse this guy he's solid he's got an amazing message and um you know we'll have the show notes for all of you guys listening. Who might want to check Luke out? Go check out his Instagram. It's great. And then um, check out his website, see what he's doing. Go download what you think you need and let him deliver what you really need. But um, I, I appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your heart and what you've obviously put a ton of time thinking about, praying about,
0: meditating on, and delivering. Thank you, Scott. It's been a blessing. And I co signed that. Glad to see what you're doing as well. Appreciate that very much thank
1: you thank you everybody thank you so much for listening and i'm serious i'm serious go check out luke follow him on instagram do the thing support him and then share this podcast with other guys who maybe need to hear this message or a similar message and we'll see you on the flip
0: Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from The Brotherhood of Fatherhood.